0: Hey, you guys, welcome. I got a cool guest today, you know. So, first of all, let me let you let me say your name because I cannot pronounce your name,
1: Nikki von Ingen Schenau. Okay,
0: let's <laughs> can you say that one more time because I was just like, what? Nikki van Ingen Schenau. Okay, we're just gonna say Nikki. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Miss Nikki, thank you for being on our podcast today. So, yeah. I know you have a, a, a travel bug. You know, you yeah. all have this travel bug traveling the world. And, then, you know, how did it all start? Tell me how you wanted, you know, how the whole travel bug started with you.
1: Well, I mean, I've lived in Amsterdam for quite a while. And uh, Amsterdam is basically a hub for Europe. So from Amsterdam, it's super easy to travel around Europe. And, um, yeah basically i grew up with three older brothers but i was always the little princess and the favorite so my mom uh wanted to go on these girls trips so we traveled around europe together and uh, i did that a lot and then i met my uh then boyfriend's um early 2000s and uh, i traveled with him and then After five years, he suggested how about we go to uh, Japan to live there because he was Japanese but grew up in uh, Amsterdam and he'd never really experienced what it was like to live as a Japanese person in Japan. So I was like, yeah, sure, see if you can find a job. So then when we were there, uh, in the beginning, I didn't have a job myself, so studying Japanese and... um, My husband had to travel a lot for work, so especially the early years, he would drag me along and be like, here, we are in Hong Kong, and just enjoy yourself. I'm going to be stuck in the office all day, and I have lots of uh, uh, client meetings during the day and evening, so just go about and uh, do whatever you want. Just don't disturb me, and if I have time, I'll text you, and we can grab a drink or have dinner together or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I, I was a trailing wife and I went all through Asia with him. So that was definitely fun. And uh, we went to Vietnam a couple of times just for holidays and Bali and Singapore and yeah, all over the place. So, yeah, it's been a fun experience. I lived for 10 years in Tokyo, so I also traveled around Japan a lot. I actually started my own uh, tour guiding business. Uh, Because, uh, basically, when I came there, I thought, well, I speak English fairly okay-ish, if I may say so myself. And I have a bachelor degree, so everyone will be lined up to hire me. But everywhere I went, they were like, oh, so you're fluent in Japanese, right? I was like, uh, not exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we'll call you, we'll call you. And then you never hear from them again. So then I was like, okay, I'm just going to study nine to five Japanese for one year and then I'll be fluent. And then two years in, I still wasn't fluent. And I was like, oh, am I not fluent yet? What can I do? And then a friend who works as a flight attendant, she came over to Tokyo and she suggested, why don't you become a tour guide? And I was like, I don't know anything about tourism i've never started my own company i don't know anything about japanese rules and regulations i'm still not fluent in japanese how i'm gonna manage that and she was like oh you know just make a website something rudimentary get an email address i'll take care of the rest so i figured this is one of those cases where people say yeah 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 for sure i'm gonna help you and then you never hear from them again but just to be on the safe side, I created the website and uh, I got the email address ready. And then after one week, I received my first email like, oh, I see that you do guided tours in Tokyo. That sounds really fun. I would like to hire you as a guide. Are you available? And I literally fell off my chair like, oh, my God, I just was so not expecting that. And I was kind of scrambling to get everything together because I hadn't prepared anything. and. Uh, Went off with a flying start, so uh, yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster ride uh, since starting first moving to Japan and then with COVID uh, it was a good time for me to move back to Amsterdam and uh, yeah, I've I've traveled a lot, I've seen a lot, so yeah. what, what is back?
0: Tell me, tell me that you know because you know then you know you when we are in a country you know in our own countries we have our own foods we have our own structure you know. Yeah, yeah. How was how was the cultural shock going from Amsterdam to Japan? How, how
1: was the? like, first of all, the food is totally different. So it's it's yeah, that yeah, what yeah. think, right? Well, that 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 uh, reminds me of something. Like in the beginning, when I was there, of course, I couldn't read any Japanese. I, I couldn't understand any Japanese. So I was in the dairy aisle, and I'd be like. I just want a regular carton of milk. How hard is that? And there were like 35 different cartons. And it's like, okay, so is this cow milk or soy milk or rice milk or oats milk or what the fuck is inside this, this carton? So I just grab one, like, well, lucky guess. Let's see when we get home. Or I would be in a rice aisle and there would be like 85 different kinds of rice. And my husband would be like, oh, yeah, just pick up a bag. And it would come home It'd be like, why did you take this one? This is completely wrong. And I was like, well, the, which one do I need to choose? They're like 85 different kinds. I don't know. They all look the same to me. Right. And, uh, yeah, just like with salt and sugar. Like, uh, is it salt? Is it sugar? So... <laughs> Definitely a surprise when I would come home and like taste it. Like, okay, so this is salt, let's put it there. (laughs) But yeah, and also with the food, you know, you go to Japan and you think, oh, Japan is all about sushi and ramen, but actually, there's a lot of different food and a lot of regional foods. So yeah, if you come to Japan, you definitely need to try out the street food and, um, Also Tokyo has the highest concentration of Michelin star restaurants in the world. So if you are foodie, then you should definitely try to get a reservation because the food is just phenomenal. And the funny thing is that there's a lot of Japanese chefs that have traveled to Italy for a while and then they come back and open Italian restaurants. So outside of Italy, Tokyo is the best place to try Italian food because the chefs are really, like, uh, amazing. What what
0: was the craziest food when you first got there? What was something that you tasted? You're like, you thought it was good. And then all of a sudden it was like, that was you know, because they have a lot of the, the sauces, you know. And some of them were too, too spicy. And some are, like, plain. So what was one of the things that happened to you that you did not expect when you ate something? What was, like, the craziest food experience you had?
1: Crazy. Well, basically... Slimy is the texture in Japan, and I was so not ready for that. Uh, so they have like natto that is fermented soybeans, and they're really slimy. So if you pick up the beans, there's these threads that come off it, and it smells really strong. So I've tried eating it, but it's just I cannot do it. And then there's this grated yam, um, so they have the soba noodles and then they put a the grated yam on there and it's slimy and white and kind of reminds me of something that i probably can't mention in this uh, interview but maybe you'll get an idea kind of tastes the same to be honest so uh i cannot recommend it and oh, there's some kind of sweets that are really slimy and uh just the texture alone like oh i can't do it all right so that's the worst what's the best what's the best food you had that
0: was like the one dish that you could always eat non-stop back-to-back was it one you know being over there you know you had different types of you know tokyo and japan and even though they're the same you know in the air if it's still different you know different cultures so
1: what was the best the best food well two things actually and both not japanese So there's yakiniku, which is actually Korean. So it's like Korean barbecue, but with the Wagyu beef. So sorry, Mm. all you vegans out there, but it's amazing. (laughs) It's like uh, orgasm in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It it is so good. It's just really tasty. Uh, So basically you get like slices of uh, beef and then you have like a barbecue with the coals uh, they put it inside the table, and then you can put it on the barbecue yourself and just take it off whenever you feel it's ready, and then uh, you have some sauces you can dip it in the sauces or with miso and eat it with lettuce, it's really good. And then there's uh or shaoling bao in Chinese, so it's actually Taiwanese, but these are like little um uh dumplings with soup inside and meat and uh, they make them fresh on the spot and it's like so good <laughs> see now
0: you're about <laughs> this water you're over there okay if you guys you guys understand you can't see the visual part of it but she's over there going like ah
1: oh, this is so good <laughs> yeah, those type those two you cannot find uh anywhere outside of japan i mean there's something similar in amsterdam but the level is just insane uh in tokyo the and also the sushi you know like if i can go to a rotating sushi restaurant and get the same quality sushi that for here in amsterdam i need to go to michelin star restaurant to get the same level and there's a you pay a few hundred yen like uh three dollars for a plate of sushi <laughs> and here you would pay like 20 euros or something so same quality yeah. but definitely different price so yeah
0: okay so you were you became a tour guide over there right and you're yeah. walking around you're know your foodies you could tell you're a foodie you love foodies. oh yeah i love yeah. well so when you did these tours you know tell me about you know because i know it was like a cultural shock you're not speaking the language you know you're taking people around you know different you know different cities and all that you know what was the hardest part of being the tour guide you know
1: Well, the hardest part is meeting people's expectations because when they think of Japan, they have this very specific idea of what Japan is going to be like. So they're like, oh, so there's going to be geishas everywhere, right? And uh, no, (laughs) those are predominantly in Kyoto. So Oh, so we can't see them in Tokyo? Uh, No. So I can see sumo wrestlers everywhere, right? Uh, No. (laughs) unless there's a tournament or you want to get up really early in the morning and go and see the training you're not going to see them and also with the food they'll be like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would really like to have sushi, but we don't like raw fish. And actually, also, we don't like rice. So we'll just get some of the fried food that they have at the sushi restaurant. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but they're not going to have any fried food. So your concept of sushi is completely different from what it is in Japan. So that's not going to (laughs) work. So, yeah, that is really funny that they'll just have all these... uh, preconceptions about japan and then you can uh, have to give them a wake-up call like okay so just throw overboard all the things that you have learned about japan and let's sit down and go over it and then this is what you can expect and uh so yeah that's funny also many people think japan is super technologically advanced and it's not not at all like there's many people that don't even have a credit card or a bank card uh a lot of stuff is done by hand nothing is online they still use faxes they still use those 3.5 floppy disks (laughs) work from home not a thing so yeah i mean japan okay if you go to shibuya you'll see the screens and it's fun and there's some places with robots but other than that japan is very much behind i mean disc mans Walkmans, that is still a thing in japan so no no technology just forget about it
0: so it was a complete cultural shock for you you went from Amsterdam which is you have everything over there. It's fun over there yeah Amsterdam is you know, sorry for language, badass, and it's cool. It also, is. you went from there to going to a place that still uses Walkman's and this and then floppy disk and fax machines. By what? the way, if there's any kids listening, which I know you guys won't, but if they are, if, if you guys don't know what a fax machine is, I tell you, we feel old, okay? So, yeah, it's you know, it's, yeah, yeah. So it was like a culture shock. Now, so you're done in Japan, you know, things happen over there. Now, tell me your journey getting back to it. How do you got back to Amsterdam? So, so it was hard because all of a sudden you have a life structured over there. All right. Yeah. You moved over there and now you're coming back to Amsterdam. So explain oh, yeah. that journey back.
1: How did that all, you know, how did that transcribe? Uh, well, basically I spent one year in Amsterdam in 2018, 2019 because we were supposed to move back. My husband had accepted a job in London, and then uh, he told me later, I was there for a couple of months, and he was like, oh, sorry, I screwed up. Actually, the move is off, so you can come back. So I said, "Uh, no, (laughs) because I also have a daughter, and uh, she just started school. And I said, well, I can't just take her from school and just put her in another school in Tokyo. That requires preparation and uh, in Japan, things don't go as easily because Japan is very rule oriented. So if it's not a rule, they'll just create one on the spot. Uh, So yeah, so I said, no, you need to give me one year to prepare to move back to Tokyo if that's still what you want. And um, then after a year, I'll come back if uh, if you still wanna do that, I mean, our relationship was already rocky. So I was like, do you want to get a divorce or do you want to have like an open relationship? Or I mean, stuff happens in a year, you know, uh, I was just throwing it out there. And he was like, no, if I find out you're cheating on me, uh, I will send you divorce paper so fast your head will spin. So oh. I was like, okay i have stuff to do so i can stay faithful and loyal i mean i don't need all that uh jazz so um yeah and then like everything was set to go back to tokyo and it was june and i was supposed to go back in august everything has been had been arranged i was getting rid of stuff i didn't need anymore And then I was on my husband's uh, Apple ID account and there was this line that said subscriptions. So I thought, hmm, interesting, let's see. Mm -hmm. So I clicked on it and uh, it was a Tinder Gold account. So I was like, oh, interesting. So I took a photo and uh, sent it to him. And I was like, would you care to explain about this? And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just an ego thing. I just uh, spend 60 euros a month just to see if girls like me and I don't actually meet them. It's just uh, so I feel I'm still um, uh, relevant, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, my God, is that really the best excuse you can (laughs) come up with? But I was like, you know... I'm already planning to go back to Tokyo. So I said, whatever it is you're doing, let's not discuss it. Please cut it out and I'll come back to Tokyo. and Let's make it work. If not for me, then at least for our daughter. So I came back and um, well, there was condoms everywhere. There's There's Viagra, there's lingerie that's not mine. There's hair accessories. The week after I arrived, there was this note in the mailbox saying, oh, thank you so much for letting me stay over. I had a wonderful time. I hope to see you again soon with my house key. So I was like, oh my God, why? But I was like, you know, I can deal with it. And um, he's never there. I don't really have to see him. So it's fine. I'll just do my stuff. and let him do whatever and it's fine. I'm okay with it. I don't mind. So I was just taking care of my business, taking care of our kid, taking care of the house. Didn't really see him. He would get home hammered every day. And then COVID came and I was locked inside a house with him 24 seven with my daughter so he was just slowly driving me insane. <laughs> and uh, he just spent all day on the balcony, ferociously texting people. And whenever I came here, we would be like hiding his phone. So I knew something was going on. And I basically, one day, I was just so fed up with him. So I was looking for an excuse. So he came home pissed again forgot to lock his phone, just passed out drunk. So I got his phone, opened it up, screenshotted everything incriminating. And then the next morning when he woke up, I was like, so, (laughs) you know, I don't know where you're going to sleep tonight, but it's not gonna be here, just (laughs) so you know. And Um. he was like, oh, you know, I can still live there. It's fine. I said, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not gonna stay here. I'm gonna go back to Amsterdam. And unfortunately, because of COVID and my daughter's school, I couldn't immediately go back. So I just had to stick it out for a year. And yeah. he was like, uh, you know, if you wanna go back to Amsterdam and you won't allow me to move back into our apartment, then I'm gonna have to spend a lot of money to get an apartment I said no you can get a share house that's not expensive you will survive for those few months Mm -hmm. and it's like no 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 it's gonna be 10,000 euro a month to get a place I said well it's not up to me if you want to do that you'll do that anyway so just go ahead and do whatever you feel is right if you want to leave me and your daughter without any money then fine go ahead So then when it was time to go back to Amsterdam, my husband was always managing my finances. So he basically robbed me blind, left me with a debt. So I was going back to Amsterdam with two suitcases and a kid. Oh, wow. Stuff that I left in Tokyo. He said, oh, yeah, 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 I'll send it via mail. And he burned it. (laughs) So I came back with two bags and a kid and nothing. And he was like, uh, you know, we still had a place, uh, a house. So he said, I'm going to give you two months to come up with a mortgage because my business centers around travel. So because of COVID, that basically just was completely destroyed. And he was like, I'm going to give you two months to come up with a mortgage. If you cannot pay the mortgage after two months, I'm going to put the house up for sale, kick you out, and you can just go to a shelter for women or something. So uh, I said, well, okay, I'll I'll see what I can do. So I was just applying for jobs like crazy, uh, like 25 applications per day just to get an interview, and uh, I managed to find something within two months. And yeah, I mean, we just came back uh, during COVID, so it was really rough. And I mean, the first two months, my husband barely gave me any money, so... Nine times out of ten, when I was doing grocery shopping, I had to leave my shopping carts in the supermarket. And like, oh my, I can't afford it. So let's just go home because uh, this isn't working. So I told my daughter nine times out of ten, like, yeah, I'm not really hungry. Why don't you just eat? It's fine, and uh, I'll eat later when you go to sleep. And uh, so yeah, I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> so that was the upside but yeah coming back to amsterdam it was my first culture shock moment was when i went to the supermarket and they had this um, uh, special where if you uh, spend 10 euros on groceries you get like a sticker and if you have four stickers you'll get something So I spent like 23 euros. So I was expecting like, oh, I'll get two stickers then. Right. So I went to the cashier and was like, yeah, this is my receipt. Can I have some stickers? And she went like, and got like a a, a two yards of stickers and tore it off and gave it to me. And I was just flabbergasted. Like that would never fly in Japan. If you are only allowed two stickers, then doesn't matter whether the cashier is going to uh, have trouble giving you more or whatever. If you're allowed to, you're going to get two. And here there were, she saw my face, like totally shocked. And she was like, yeah, most people don't even want these stickers. So I'm happy that there's finally someone who wants them. So just take them and use them. So I was like, oh my God, this is amazing.
0: (laughs) No. So, you know, now now we know how the the hard journey you had coming back. You know, and I'm so sorry yeah. that you know that happened to you. Because you know, if here's the people, you know, when people fall in love with each other and they want to be with each other, hey, just I'm done. You know, what I'm saying. But when you know, I just hear I hear the stories all the time. You know, I have a little podcast. We were talking about that the other day. You know, and and it's bad because you know the kids. You, you you're being a mother trying to say, "Honey, it's okay." You don't tell your kid what's really going on because you don't want your kid to experience all the hardship you're going through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so going back into Amsterdam during COVID, you have only two suitcases and you're a kid. Yes. How how did you restart again, you know, doing the travel again? How did you restart doing what you do best? You know, how did you restart that again?
1: Well, basically, during COVID, I thought I'm gonna double down. So the little money I had left, I invested in my company and uh, totally redesigned the website. And uh, I was posting on social media uh, normally like once a week or something. And then I started doing it like every two hours. (laughs) So every two hours I was posting on all the platforms, also doing tests like what is working, what is not. And was constantly trying to... um, Get better results on social media because I was like, Yeah, you know, this COVID thing, it will blow over at some point, and then I want to be there left standing. So I started working like a beast, and of course, because the company wasn't producing any money. I had to get a job here in Amsterdam. So I was working full time, and then at night until like midnight, I was working on my own company. And on the weekends, I was working. I was like basically always working because I was like, you know, maybe this will be an opportunity. Maybe some of my competitors will go bankrupt, and maybe I'll be the one left standing. So let's just make sure that all the guides are still on board so i was checking in on them all the time like ah how are you what are your plans are you planning to move back home or what are you up to you're getting another job or what are you okay with money can i get you any help to get some uh subsidies or government grant or whatever so uh, yeah i i put a lot of time and effort in there and uh Basically, all my staff uh, remained loyal to me. So, even though we weren't working for two years, they still, uh, since last October, the border with Japan opened up again. And uh, we're back to full strength. As soon as I found out that uh, the border was opening again, I didn't know the exact date. I was straight away looking for new guys. So like, ah, oh, you want to work for me? And uh, let's do some training sessions. And uh, so as soon as the word "go" happens, I was like, okay, let's go.
0: So, so you're technically speaking, hold on. So you're in Amsterdam right now, okay? Which right now we are in. You're in Amsterdam and I'm in Florida. So we're talking about two different you know you're across the pond as we say and you're running a
1: business in from amsterdam for japan well i uh in 2018 when i was supposed to go back to amsterdam i talked to one of my best guides and i suggested to her i will probably go back to amsterdam indefinitely so how would you feel about buying the company for me and she was like, No, that sounds like a horrible idea. I don't want to do that. But how would you feel about a partnership? And I was like, Oh, I'd not. Thought about that to be honest, but sounds good. What do you have in mind? And she was like, Yeah, you know, I like numbers, I like spreadsheets, I like lists, I like admin. So that's all the stuff that I hate. So she was like, Oh, let me handle that and planning and the email box. Like, Oh, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> so uh, it's 2018, we just split it up. She does her part, I do my part. I use mostly sales. PR uh, marketing social media and she does everything else and uh, as far as hiring new people I usually do the first rounds and then she takes it up from there so uh, yeah it's been great collaborating with her and she really she has all the things that I'm lacking and vice versa so we're really uh uh, well, in tune to each other, so uh, that's how I can do it from Amsterdam. Really, if, if she wasn't there, I wouldn't be able to. Okay, let's talk about Amsterdam.
0: Okay, so we left Japan, we're going across the pond, we're going to Amsterdam. Yeah, so tell, I- me, tell me the misconception of Amsterdam when people get to Amsterdam. What is the same thing that we Japan, you know? Like, I'm an American, I come to Amsterdam, and I've seen all these movies about Amsterdam. Tell me about yeah. Amsterdam.
1: What what is the people expect from Amsterdam that is not true? Well, the thing is, people think, oh, we're all drug addicts and we're just basically um, smoking the whole time. And But the thing is, because it's legal here, there's no challenge. It's not forbidden, not the forbidden fruit. So people are like, yeah, well, I don't really care for it. It's mostly foreigners, like tourists that come here that uh, want to go to coffee shops and that kind of places. So that's one. Uh, Another thing is, um, at night, we have the curtains open everywhere, because if you cannot see inside someone's home, that means they have something to hide. So curtains always have to be open. And then there's one thing that's actually very similar to Japan. Uh, Japan is very group-oriented, so You're not allowed to stand out. It's even to such an extent that if your hair color is not like jet black and you're going to private school, they will ask you to dye your hair. There's even schools that regulate underwear and they will check the girls to see if they are wearing the regulated underwear. And of course, these are all men that do that. So um yeah and i mean we are very liberal but basically how that uh, translate is do whatever the f you want as long as it's not in my face so go ahead and do uh, love whoever you want dress however you want just do not do it in front of me And then we're okay. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of subgroups everywhere and uh, uh, lots of underground scenes. And, uh, yeah, generally speaking, we're quite open-minded, but we prefer for you to do it in your own place and not uh, in the city center or in the park or whatever. So just don't bother me, then I'm fine.
0: Oh, that's good. I like that. Let's yes. see. So let's talk about um the food in Amsterdam because Amsterdam has good food. Uh, you know, what do you guys are known for? Give me give me your gene uh, from there. What is it? Uh, no, me. we're not known for great food. We're horrible.
1: We're no, there, no. You got no. some good food. I, I, you know, there's some good food out there. No, I mean, we like anything deep fried. <laughs> Uh, We like anything cheese, so just uh, put a layer of cheese on there and we're good to go. We love everything cooked to death, so take any vegetable, cook it so it turns gray and it has no texture or flavor. Then add some potatoes and mash it to death and maybe add some meat and then we'll just eat it. So we're basically farmers. So we have a very terrible palate. We don't like spices. We don't like herbs. We don't like salt. Just give us bland food, maybe something deep fried with it and some cheese and we're good to go. (laughs) Oh man, oh man. All right, so let's talk about, let's talk about the,
0: The tourist, you know, the night scenes in both in both countries. Okay, the night scene in Japan is very active, very lively in parts of it. You know, like Tokyo is very lively and very fun, and Amsterdam has certain areas in the city that's always active and lively. What's the contrast between both of them? You know, like so, Japan, you have you know, fun, you know, different things over there. Then Amsterdam has their own thing. So, what's the difference? Not live in both of them.
1: Well, in Tokyo, people don't dance. So. no why not (laughs) it's just super weird they just have they don't generally they don't really have a stage or like an area where you can dance there's just tables everywhere and people just sit at the tables and they're talking and uh, the if there's a concert they usually have these glow sticks and they're like You know, at an airport where they're pointing, that's basically what they're doing the whole time, just pointing the glow sticks. No one is moving or dancing or singing or anything. And then there's also, if you are an idol, so you're in a girl band or you're just starting out and you're basically touring around the malls and those horrible places, then you need to do the meet and greet and uh, there's going to be a lot of creepy guys around that wanna hug you and wanna shake your hand and you you have to there's no saying no so yeah that's definitely different and another thing that's very different i suppose is uh, in amsterdam uh, there's not really an age limit to going out. So especially the techno scene and the house scene, you'll see like 50, 60 year old people just uh, really enjoying <laughs> themselves, dancing, having a great time. Or at festivals, you'll see like 80 year olds just dancing and really uh, becoming one with the music whereas in tokyo it's definitely something for like uh, 20 to 30 year olds maybe so after 30 then basically your dad's married you're not gonna go out anymore just uh, find a lover or something and focus on her and that's all you get to do wow and then like drinking limits, you know like the
0: drinking ages over there i know that like for example in mexico you'd be as young as 13 or 14 years old to start drinking you know that's when that's when thing i mean i'm hispanic but i went to mexico there's a 14 year old kid sitting at a bar i'm like oh what God. is this they're like oh he could drink he's drinking tequila i was like okay <laughs> so what is the, the age the drinking age limit because you know think of the, about kids you know they're getting influenced so now you know in amsterdam you guys 15 year old at a bar but at the same time they you know were very structured as far as your education, they go to school, they do, they do what they got, they're responsible, but they could go party the night before, you know, so what is the difference between both cultures when it comes to kids, you know, drinking or, you know?
1: Well, Japan is super strict, so 21 is basically when you, no, 20, 20 sorry, 20, 20 is when you have your coming of age day, so everyone who turned 20 in the previous year In January, they'll have their coming of age day. So they wear the really fancy kimono with the fur, and then they have the ceremony. And only then can you buy cigarettes and alcohol. And it doesn't really matter what kind of alcohol, basically, you can just get anything. And in the Netherlands, when I was growing up, everyone was really easygoing and kids could buy cigarettes and get weed and get any type of alcohol but now they've become more strict so now usually especially in supermarkets uh, and liquor stores they'll check for ID so you have to be at least 18 um but still there's like these mixed drinks that you can just get at the supermarket it's like Bicardi and Coke or something like that and Yeah, most of the people behind the cash register will be like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like lemonade. Just take it. And also parents, you know, parents will be like, oh, you're 13, so you're old enough to have a beer. Here, go ahead and be like, we'd rather have you drinking in the house than to go outside because at home, we can still kind of manage and make sure you don't get too crazy or too shit-faced or whatever and then up in the north of the country there's some islands so these islands are kind of like the Ibiza of uh, of the netherlands so kids uh, who are like 14 15 16 will go there basically stay in a tent get wasted all day all night have sex for the first time and just uh, enjoy themselves and the parents like yeah yeah we're glad we're they're off our hands and uh, <laughs> what stays in uh uh, uh the tent,
0: stays, stay in the tent. yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. The, so we don't want to know and just have fun don't do anything crazy and uh, it's fine so yeah
0: oh, yeah different culture shocks. all right so the last question i have for you is when you're traveling, you know, what is the one tip you give to travelers? You know, like maybe, you know, carrying light suitcases or, you know, because I know there's different checkpoints. You know, when you go to international, you onboard a plane, you know, here in the US, they go through, you know, you go through your suitcases, you know, they put them in, they go x rays, all that stuff. Sometimes there is a you have to go through immigration and do all your declarations. So, how is it, you know, the entry to Japan, how is how easy it was for you if you could give a tip to somebody? And also going back to Amsterdam, what are the tips you give them to say, hey, listen, these are the two tips you want to do. You get off the plane, don't do this or do this. So, what is a tip as a tour guide? Also, if somebody's been traveled to both places. What do you recommend for uh traveling?
1: uh well basically japan is super strict so i know there are some people that have suitcases with kind of like um a scooter so it's a suitcase with a scooter attached to it that doesn't fly so you won't be able to use it in the airport also kids on little scooters that's not gonna go well uh if there's something Japanese people can whine about, they will not uh, refrain from doing so. Uh, one thing, uh, I have one uh, really good tip because uh, food inside the airplanes usually suck. So if you're at the airport and you're after immigration, get some good food because there's usually some nice restaurants, especially in uh, Japan, you can get some nice sushi or go to McDonald's get some takeaway and eat it in the plane because the food that you get in the plane is gonna be horrible so everyone will be like oh, and you have your mcdonald's out like yeah <laughs> and, uh, here we go so yeah so that's definitely a good tip and if you can travel with just hand luggage that definitely helps Try not to bring any food in your luggage because they will find it. And of course drugs, definitely no. Especially at Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, there's dogs everywhere. If you have anything, they will find it. So yeah, uh, don't do anything stupid and uh, don't exchange any money because they will rip you off. So just get an international credit card or ATM card or or whatever and just withdraw money as soon as you arrive. And get the Wi-Fi. <laughs> just wherever you go, get the Wi-Fi. It's usually also a battery, so you can charge your phone with it. And uh, you can use Google Maps everywhere and text all your friends. So, uh, yeah, th- those are definitely some good okay. tips.
0: Hold on, like Wi Fi, isn't there like it's like a device you hook up to your phone for Wi Fi, or it's like a, a little
1: box, uh-huh. and uh, there will be a sticker on there with the passcode. Okay. But usually, it's also a battery, so you can use it to charge your phone if your phone is running low. Um, and I mean, if you have like an international charging cable, especially in Tokyo, because there's Starbucks everywhere, uh. And there's lots of places like convenience stores where you can just charge your phone quickly. You don't really have to buy anything. You can just stay there. Uh, Yeah, That's another great thing about Tokyo compared to Amsterdam because there's like coffee places everywhere. There's uh, convenience stores everywhere. And wherever you go, even if you go to the park, the toilets are gonna be amazing super clean like with a heated toilet seat with lights and sprays and everything happening all at once and like some music so people cannot hear what you're doing inside there okay, hold on,
0: hold on. Yeah.
1: Heated toilet seat music and light yes and music. Uh, yeah yeah so you open the door and the toilet seat will go up and there's some disinfectant spray and there will be some lights and and as soon as you sit down, there's some trickling water, so people can't hear in the stall next to you what you're doing. Uh, oh. So yeah, and then if you go to Amsterdam, oh god, you have to pay been... for toilet for the use of a toilet, even if you are like in a restaurant or. Okay, in... Okay, some... wait, wait, hold on. All right, let's go to a- okay.
0: Tokyo's party in the bathroom. Okay, yes. we're going out to Amsterdam, and you have to pay to use the toilet in Amsterdam. Like yes. And it's not gonna be
1: clean, so. Oh, and
0: there's no party, there's no no disco, no lights, nothing.
1: Nothing. Oh man, yeah, only yeah, the, cultural shocks. So like toilet paper everywhere. Don't touch anything because you will catch something. So. Uh, yeah. yeah cool. Okay. So wh-
0: So why did you leave Japan? If, if, or why did you leave there? It was. I mean, it's. Oh, it makes it home for you after there's home, right? Uh, Well, basically,
1: because Japanese people... um, In Japan, the group means everything. So you belong to some kind of group, like your co-workers, or your people from your neighborhood, or your family. There's all these groups that you belong to. And as long as you belong to this particular group, then all the members inside this group have to abide by certain rules oh. but if there's someone who does not belong to your particular group then they can just go f themselves and just die in the street and you're just going to step over their body because you don't care because they're, they don't belong to your group so it's yeah. like a click. it's like high school you gotta be part of the cool kids
0: club yeah.
1: too you know it's like wow yeah so basically i mean i gave birth in japan i had my baby there the few times that someone actually helped me to carry up the stroller or help me with my bags, those were always non-Japanese people. And even when I was super heavily pregnant and I had the tags showing that I was pregnant, and there's I special have a tag feet. on you, you, yeah, have a tag? you know, a tag that says "I'm pregnant" that you put on your bag in case the stomach wasn't obvious enough. <laughs> there's like spaces specifically for pregnant women and there will be young people with their earbuds in and looking at their phone and like i'm just going to ignore you so yeah i mean i would be like uh in japanese obviously yeah excuse me but i'm sort of kind of pregnant would you mind getting up for me and uh there would be one of two responses either they would be like oh oh i didn't notice you oh I'm so sorry <laughs> or they would be like oh let's just uh, ignore her and hope she goes away
0: oh man oh man what is the most beautiful thing you saw in japan
1: most beautiful i would say team lap. okay can so you explain most, that yeah what uh team lab, there's Well, now there's only one where there used to be Team Lab Borderless and Team Lab Planets. So it's like an interactive kind of museum with lights everywhere and uh, displays. So every room you go into, there's something amazing going on. There's lots of different shapes and colors. And there's like, it's coming at you from all spaces and it's continuously changing. So it's, and it's, Some of them are also centered towards your five senses. So, uh, one time I went with my daughter, and there was actually one area that had water up to your knees. And she was a two year old and wearing diapers. Oh, man. That was not a good coordination with the water. So, she was just drenched. Oh, man. But it was definitely fun. But uh, yeah, that. And also, if you like Disney, you need to go to Tokyo because the best Disney is in Tokyo because it's uh, not actually run by Disney. So the Hyatt group uh, has the right to use the Disney name. So they have Disneyland and Disney Sea. Disney Sea, I don't know who came up with this name because it doesn't have anything to do with sea. So if you have to choose one, go to Disney Sea because it's absolutely amazing. Uh, the the decor is like out of this world, it's uh really impressive, it's super clean. Um, you can get all this specialty food that you can only get there, so definitely go and see it because it's really awesome. Just don't do any of the shows because it's going to be only in Japanese, so you're not going to understand a word of it. But yeah, just to go and also in Disney, see, there's this thing, so basically people will go in groups and they'll all be dressed alike and there's another thing they have like special stuffed animals that they only sell at disney in hong kong and in tokyo so the thing is to walk around with this stuffed animal and just carry it with you the whole day and take pictures with the stuffed animals so first time i was there all i did was taking pictures of all these people with their stuffed animals like what are you doing why well
0: yeah it's different you know it's all so, so different you know I, I love the fact that you went to two different you know from your culture to a different culture you know you embraced it you made a business out of it you know and it's yeah, yeah. And you're still doing it which is kind of cool you know yeah. um okay i think we're good
1: yeah uh, any other
0: any other suggestions or tips for anybody else traveler and they're going anywhere just if you could give one more tip simple little tip
1: A Simple little tip. Um, If you like snowboarding or skiing, go to Japan because they have the best snow in the world. It's going to be amazing. Do a couple of days in Tokyo and then go up north to Hokkaido to get like the best skiing experience ever. You can rent everything at the station. So you arrive at the station, you can rent all your crap there. They have a ski lift going from the station up the mountain. So it's like, totally chill. Uh, so don't go to Europe for skiing or go to the United States. Go to Japan because it's out of this world. All right, perfect. Alright, can you give me a name of your website? What is the name yeah. on your website so people can find it out? It's Tours and Tokyo is spelled the Dutch way so not with a Y but with an I so T-O-K-I-O and Tours is T O U. RS and I have two websites, so .com or .nl. Uh, both will uh, get you to my uh, pages. And uh, I'm uh, at Tokyo Tours on all platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, you'll find me. All right, perfect, guys. Nikki, thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you for having me. I know you're in Amsterdam, the hours are totally different, but thank you so much for taking the time and giving us all these tips sharing your emotional story you know going through it and you went through it to get to where you're at again so thank you so much i appreciate it and um i can't wait to people hear this podcast it's gonna be so yeah, cool
1: yeah i hope they'll uh, all subscribe to your channel because uh i definitely want them to come to my website if they're planning to go to japan because we will give them an amazing experience so uh, yeah thank you for having me on it was really fun <laughs>